If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It's not the kind of story that you hear about every day, facing years of abuse after arriving in Canada as a teenage bride to marry someone that you hardly know. But that hasn't stopped Samra Zafar from pursuing her dreams and just talking about all of that. Her book that just came out is called A Good Wife, Escaping the Life I Never Chose. And Samra joins us now. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Give people a little bit of the idea of the book, first of all. Like, what happened? Uh, I was 16 years old when I was pressured into a marriage and uh, getting married to a man who was 11 years my senior and uh, lived in this big, beautiful and very cold country called Canada. You were living in Pakistan with your family. I was living in Pakistan. I I grew up in Abu Dhabi, uh, originally from Pakistan. And uh, so I came here as his bride uh, and uh, became a teenage mom and faced uh, a lot of abuse for over a decade. Uh, and just fought um, every day for my right to an education and my right to a life of respect. How did it happen to you, Samra? I mean, you had a good family, nice household, but then all of a sudden when you moved to Pakistan, things seemed to change. Uh, as in from uh, Abu Being Dhabi? The, the pressure, yeah, from Abu Dhabi and you moved to Pakistan. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I was the eldest of four girls uh, in a very traditional Pakistani Muslim family and uh there was a lot of pressure on my parents, uh, you know, to get four girls married off. I was um, also growing up too fast, according to people, you know, tall, what developing body. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like so you have any control over that. Exactly. But. Yeah. So like a bit of a time bomb <laughs> waiting to explode sort of thing. And um, and I had a lot of dreams. I had uh, dreams of getting an education and going to, you know, universities that are abroad. And I was very passionate about my career and uh, and fulfilling my dreams and I was often told that my dreams were too big for me because I'm a girl and uh, the only way that I would be able to go abroad is you know um, is to get married to this man because uh, as a girl uh, I can't be sent away like who would guard me who would be my chaperone so uh, I you know your only escape your your only escape as you were told was to marry this man and yeah I mean I was told that this is this is a way for me to get my education and I kind of bought into it um uh, and his family promised my parents that uh, they would send me to school in Canada and, you know, everything would be amazing and everything would be great. And in my naivete, and I'm, I'm going to say my parents too, um, they thought that this was a win-win. What happened once you got here? Once I got here, I was told that uh, I should be grateful that I got to the real purpose of being a woman sooner than later and didn't get to go through all of that education crap. I was told that I should uh, be a good wife and a good daughter-in-law and a good mother. And that was my real purpose as a girl. And I did. I tried for many, many years to climb on that pedestal of being a good wife. And I somehow always fell short and then was humiliated and assaulted and insulted every day. And I started believing that, that it's all me. It's all my fault. I'm not good enough. What is that secret to perfect mm-hmm. wifehood that keeps eluding me? 
And you tried to escape as well. I did several times, but I was told that a woman cannot make it on her own. Uh, I was very afraid. I did not have any support in Canada. I didn't have family here. I was... Um, it must have been terrifying. It was Samra, very... You're, you were a young girl when you got here, mm-hmm. and... You're you're stuck in this situation, 17. and even when you want to get help, even when you know what's happening to you is wrong, there's no one there to help you. But that's the thing. You. I didn't know, because uh, even though it felt wrong, everybody around me told me that it was normal um, and that I should somehow try better or do better. Uh, and good women are the ones who stay quiet for the sake of their family honor and for the sake of keeping the family intact. It's the woman's job. And I truly felt there was something wrong with me for many years, and I kept trying to make it work. And then, you know, there's a hot and cold of the abusive relationship. Like one minute he's doting on me and, you know, he's the best husband I could ever imagine. And then the next, you know, uh, he erupts into uh, violence and assault and I couldn't understand why, like what happened. It must have been me. And a lot of women stay because of that because they're always hanging on to that hope that things will get better. So who did you turn to for help? My life changed when I started going to school. I mean, even during all those years, it was this little voice and little burning flame in my head that, yeah, I want to go to school. I want to get an education. So uh, I finished my high school through distance learning at home because I wasn't allowed to go to a regular school. And then I uh, fought and, and uh, started babysitting at home to save money and eventually started university. And I got permission to just take one course uh, in my first year. And I started uh, being uh, uh, taking that course at uh, the University of Toronto. And uh, I stumbled upon the Health and Counseling Centre. And there was a sign actually outside which had a bunch of questions like, do you feel intimidated? Do you feel like you've lost your voice? Do you feel like you're living in fear? And I'm just standing there mesmerized answering yes to all of those questions and then I go in and make an appointment and my counselor there uh, she was the first person who said to me it's not your fault and I was nobody never said that to you no but no one it had been 10 years uh, in that marriage no one had said that to me before and my world changed and I started going for regular counseling and learning that it, indeed it was not my fault and I'm not the only person who goes through abuse and I do have rights. Did your husband know about this? Not at the time, no. And I did try to then, uh, you know, tell him Oh, later on that I was like, maybe if I tell him all this and he realizes what he's doing is abuse and he would stop. But of course not, it got worse. And, uh, you know, slaps turned into kicks and punches and Eventually, um, I was afraid for my life. And uh, the the factor, the biggest factor that uh, drove me to walk away was... Uh Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Realizing that 
my girls will see this growing up and normalize it and eventually they may tolerate it too and I did not want that uh, to happen to them so I knew I had to break the cycle. We're chatting with Samra Zafar. Her book is called A Good Wife, Escaping the Life I Never Chose. Uh, by the time she was, what, 16, 17, you were married. Yeah, 17. I had just turned 17. 16 was when I was in, uh, then the marriage was fixed. Yeah. Okay. And at that point, she had to leave her family behind in Pakistan and move to Canada. And her new husband and his family turned out to be nothing like what they had promised or what she thought was going to happen. A year. You spent 10 years in an yeah. abusive relationship and marriage? Yeah, just uh, almost 11. Yeah. Actually, no, 12. <laughs> 1999 to 2011. And so you were talking about how when you managed to go to the University of Toronto, you, you started getting counseling mm-hmm. and you realized what was happening. At what point did you say, I have to leave? It was, uh, it was not a moment. It was, uh, it was very gradual. Uh, there was still quite a bit of back and forth. There were a couple times when I left. Uh, one time, you know, I just um, left the home and went and stayed at a hotel and trying to figure out. But then I was like, no, maybe it's best if I, should, if I stay. Uh, my kids deserve to have a two-parent family and all those, you know, societal stereotypes that we seem to believe in and and then I went back again. So there was, uh, I went back like five or six times. And, and actually, on average, a woman goes back seven times to her abuser before she finally leaves. Seven times. Yeah. yeah. So, because it's not that easy, especially when you have children involved and your confidence is low and you don't really know what's going to happen afterwards. And then you're told by everybody around you, well, you know, there's a big bad world out there that's going to chew you up and spit you out. <laughs> and, you know, you have no other reference point to believe otherwise. So when you did leave, how old were your girls when you left? I left in 2011, so they were uh, nine and four. What a huge challenge that would have been. Somebody who'd only been in this country for 10 years, you've got two small girls. Who did you turn to? Who helped you? I was uh, very blessed that I was a student at U of T. And honestly, that is that became my new community and my new family. So uh, when I left, I did not have anywhere to go. My husband had sold the house from under me and I literally was almost on the verge of being homeless. And uh, U of T gave me a place on student housing. So that's where I lived for the next two years. I was working four or five jobs on campus, raising my daughters and going to school full time as a full time student. And I found kindness and support in all kinds of places. My professors who would uh, spend uh you know, time encouraging me and motivating me, my friends who'd be there for me in my dark moments and show up with like tubs of ice cream and say, okay, let's drown our sorrows in sugar. Or um, are my mentors who helped me make the decisions that I did. So uh, that's where I found uh, my community and it takes a community to raise someone. What about uh, the legal system here? Was that a help to you in getting protection from your ex-husband? Yes and no. I mean, I had reported eventually, so I got uh, a restraining order in place uh, and uh, I got campus police involved in, in making, you know, making sure that uh, uh, things were uh, safe. But uh, I did run into some legal challenges because um, I was initially on legal aid and uh, my lawyer was really not that great and you know he he was taking his time and just taking me for granted because I was a legal aid client and then Mm. so I had to fire him and then get a lawyer on my own and pay them on my own so I was working a lot of night shifts on uh, uh, on campus housing on on my student campus jobs and things like that and just to just to pay for that and make ends meet. So why the book then Samra? What lesson do you want people to get from reading your book? Um, You know 
I've been sharing my story for some time now. And every time that I would come off stage after doing a speech or, you know, every time I'd write an article, a lot of women would come up and say, oh, you can do it because you're so strong. And I don't think I'm that strong. And my message with this book is it's not going to be easy. It is hard. It was hard for me too. And you can still do it. I'm not superwoman. I'm, I was not this person who I am today when I was going through all of that. I was just as human and just as afraid and just as trapped as, um, as other women out there. And I want them to know that they're not alone and they have hope. And it's never, ever too late. Even after you go back seven times, it's not too late. Even after you go back 20 times, it's not too late. So keep taking that one step. And, you know, you're not victims, you're warriors and you're fighters. And you have that power within you. So just find that and use that. What was it like for you, though, the first time you were up on stage mm. talking about your story, given oh, I was I was a mess. I was crying like I was crying. And I, I just knew that I had to because I knew that my story is not just mine. It is the story of women and girls from across the world. Violence against women is prevalent across cultures, across community, even in Canada, in North America, it's one in three women. And that's an underreported stat because it, uh, because it doesn't include emotional and uh, psychological abuse, which is often far more damaging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and think about the children who grow up ex- being exposed to abuse and uh, kids don't just witness violence they actually experience it like it's happening to them and you we mentioned that earlier too about this notion that people have that has been drilled into us that two-parent families you know it's it's we have to keep the families together because that's the most important Mm -hmm. thing but when the family is suffering through an abusive situation is that the best thing absolutely not uh i can tell you from my experience my kids and i are still healing from trauma things still come up as you know they will still sometimes have a nightmare or something you know um my younger daughter was crying the other day because she had a flashback that um daddy was on top of you and was hitting you and i was on the closet crying and praying to god that please save my mommy and those things get imprinted on our children's brains yeah those are scars those are invisible scars they cause a whole host of mental health issues later on and uh, the psychological trauma is lifelong. I remember things from my childhood because my father was abusive to my mother. And I remember fights and yelling and all. And that's what I uh, was a big factor why I stayed for 12 years because I didn't think there was any hope or anyone could be, could do better. So the damage control, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's humongous and the costs far outweigh the so-called benefits of a two parent family. I think for kids, it's much better to have one parent and a happy parent and a loving parent than have two parents who are constantly fighting and kids getting ignored in the process. Do you think you have um, broken the cycle? I hope so. I certainly hope so. My older daughter came to me a few, um, a couple of years ago and told me that, Mom, I think my friend is in an abusive uh, relationship because her boyfriend uh, buys her flowers and chocolates and then during fights he calls her bad words and insults her. And while my heart went out to that girl who was going through that, I was so proud of my daughter for recognizing it because I have those conversations with them. And I tell them never to expect or accept anything less than full respect and love from whoever you're in a relationship with. That is a problem, though, isn't it? That for younger and younger women Mm -hmm. is that they don't always 
recognize what those signs they don't. are, what and, those and early signs are. They don't because we don't teach them. You know, abuse or uh, things like these are such taboo conversations that we brush these things under the rug. And, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of talking to youth. So when I speak at universities and schools and, and uh, you know, or even my first TED Talk was exactly about this, that we should talk to our children and youth about what healthy relationships look like. You know, we're talking to kids about sexual health and physical health and, and now, you know, even mental health. But what about relationship health? Uh, a lot of these kids are seeing stuff at home that, gives them a very different view of what relationships are supposed to be what like. What a healthy relationship yeah. should be like. When, and, and they should learn that stuff at school or through uh, through their communities, that what, what are boundaries? Uh, how do you um, protect yourself? How do you call out on abusive behavior? Somebody saying, I love you to you within four days without getting to know you, that's, that's a pretty early and very big warning sign. Uh, but girls don't know that. Girl, you know? They think it's romantic. They think it's romantic, exactly. Or... Um, you know, if oh, he's so passionate, that's why he gets jealous, or he loves me so much, that's why he gets mad when I talk to other boys. That's not romantic, that's abusive. And it is only the beginning, and it gets those worse are control and worse. issues. Those are control issues, yeah. and abu- that's what abuse is about. It's about power and control. It's about somebody's need to control another person because they want to feel powerful and good about themselves. So, and that's how it starts. It never starts with a slap and a kick. That comes years down the road. The first time my ex-husband uh, hit me was several years later. Initially, it was all these little things, little jabs at my self-esteem, and those pokes in, in you know, in my defense system. And eventually, when that slap and kick, ha- kick happened, my defense mechanism was already shattered. Down, yeah. yeah. So fascinating. Uh, Samra, thank you for talking to us about this today. Thank you. That is Samra Zafar. Her book, clearly a fascinating topic, is called A Good Wife, Escaping the Life I Never Chose. It is available now.